chapter 15. We are ministering on the end of days countdown. If you watch Joe to this uh, today, uh, he was he's doing an end of days update while I'm doing the countdown. So we have a chart over here. It's not on camera because it's not on camera, but you can just come over here and look at it. I, I'm, I don't get where where are we? We are right. We are right here in the righteous dead. We're right here in the church age, which shows up down here, the church age. So you can just look at it. it you, you can't explain it. You just have to look at it and meditate on it. But the next thing that's happening is the translated saints in the harvest. The righteous, the first righteous resurrection. The second resurrection will be over here, the wicked dead. But we're going up in this one. So we, we are right here leaning in to the rapture, the first resurrection, first resurrection of the saints. So we're leaning in there and then right here's the tribulation and then the millennium and all that. So uh, I had two little charts and I went to Tusca Blue and got them to blow them up and put one on top of the other and then Lynn mounted it for us. And so it's interesting. It's interesting. Take a picture of it or whatever and uh, do what you will with it. But we'll, we'll refer to it on occasion. 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 15. Let me say this. We, we should know what's going to happen in the greatest commitment of our life. You should know when you marry a woman or you marry a man, you should know what their agenda is what their plans are, what they say they want to do and how you're involved, that you, we get that in marriage. Well, the greatest commitment in our life is the Lord Jesus. We, we wouldn't have to, we never will, but we would forsake all for him. And so we should know what's going on. That's a real strong play versus you never know what the Lord's going to do. We know exactly what he's going to do because he wrote it down and he wrote it down in so many ways and in such detail. And then he brought types and shadows in the Old, Te Old Testament that gave us a pattern uh, for that, like uh, Lot being taken out. God wouldn't destroy Sodom until he had got Lot out and he waited patiently for him. And uh, uh, things like that where, where we have a pattern, the, the Noah and the ark took the took the righteous out, even though there was just eight of them, took the righteous out before the wrath came down in the flood. And so we're no different. Matter of fact, if we're different, it's better. He's taking real good care of us because we're cooperating. We're born again. He's moved in. And so we, we, uh, we're, uh, we're on Wi-Fi now, so to speak, <laughs> instead of hello, hello, party line here. Uh, no, we're, we're, we're connected. So Amen. First Corinthians chapter 15. Let's look in verse 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment. The word for moment there is atomos. It's an indivisible segment of anything. And here it used of time in a moment. You won't be sitting around counting Uncle Jack and Aunt Janie going up. <laughs> Look over there. No, it's instant. We, we will be gone. 
in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. Let's say that last part in first person. I shall be changed. It's the most interrupting thing that's ever happened in your life. There's nothing ever happened since the new birth like us being changed. Whether you're in the ground or you're alive and remain, we're going to be changed. We can't go to heaven with these bodies. And so we won't. For this corruptible must put on incorruption. And this mortal must put on immortality. So there he's talking about that first resurrection. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. We can't do anything about the tribulation, y'all. It's coming. Whenever you believe it's coming, it is coming. There's, there's lots of controversy about things like the, the rapture or the resurrection, whatever, but there's no controversy. Nobody is fussing about tribulation. All we can do is stem the tide one by one. Get people born again so they can go up with us. Because if they don't go up with us, they're going through the tribulation. Is that right? It, and, it's, uh, and they'll say, this isn't so bad. This isn't so bad. And for you know, a year or two or three, you know, it won't be so bad. But like everything, which is a, a bait and switch, the Antichrist will change it. So the wicked dead, they're on hold until their resurrection. Uh, then we go to what's called the judgment seat of Christ. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians, if you would, chapter 5. The judgment seat of Christ. And we'll just say this now up front, that the word judgment is a negative term in our culture. But the word really should have been translated the reward seat. Because if, if there's five plate, if there's four places, four or say three ribbons, there's the blue, the red and the white. And there's six people vying for those three ribbons. Three got a ribbon and three didn't. They were judged not one, two or three. They were judged, judged four, five or six. Happens in everything in life. So it's going to be a judgment. It's going to be a reward seat. I personally don't think anything is going to happen on the negative side. It's a reward seat. The Bible says, we'll read it here in a minute, that wood, hay, and stubble is going to burn up. It doesn't say it's going to burn you up. It doesn't say that you're going to go down with it. It just said you, you were in fourth place and you, you, di you didn't get the ribbons that were in first, second, and third. So 1 Corinthians 5, let's look in verse 1. It says, for we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. So he's talking about our body in our earthly house. That means our body. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house, 
which is from heaven. Isn't that good? That's just good, y'all. No matter how good, of, how good your life is going, I've come to bring you life and have it to the full. I mean, yay, and we are. It's, I don't know about y'all. I assume y'all are living the best life right now that you've ever lived. It's never been better. There's more hope. There's more, uh, uh, re there's more faith that's, that's working. There's more power and, uh, over the devil. There's, the curse is becoming ineffective. People don't bother us. They don't, we have no fear of man. I mean, quantitatively, we're all working on that. But this is our best life. And yet it says that uh, we desire to be clothed with our house, which is from heaven. If so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle, this, this body, do groan, being burdened. Not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon that mortality might be swallowed up of life. Well, we'll just go on here. Now that he that has wrought for us for the selfsame thing is God, who also hath given unto us the earnest of the spirit. So how do we know this is going to happen, Lord? Well, I gave you the Holy Ghost and he moved in. He moved in. So if he moved in and you've seen what he did moving in, you can trust me that I'll take care of the outside. If, if the hard part wasn't hard, giving you a new body is not going to be hard at all. Jesus didn't struggle getting a new body. He was resurrected from the dead and he put on his new body. Uh, therefore, we are always confident knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. We could, we'll talk about that later, but obviously we're not absent from the Lord, but we're not with the Lord. The Lord Jesus said in John 14, he said, uh, he said, I'm going to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be also. So there's, there's a, the head is in heaven and the body's on the earth. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Wherefore, we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. So we're working it. We're working out, aren't we? We're working things out that are earthly, that are carnal, that are natural, that are devilish, that are the curse. We're working that stuff out where it doesn't affect us. We're getting better at this. It, we're just as... Someone that got born again this morning is just as born again as we are, but we're learning to walk by faith and not by sight. Verse 10 says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that which he hath done, whether it be good or bad, that we may receive. Receive the things done in our body. Let me read this out of the passion. I don't want to take the time, but it's really good. We are convinced that even if these bodies, even if these bodies we live in are folded up like death at tents, we still have a God built home that no human hands have built, which will last forever in the heavenly realm. We inwardly sigh as we live in these physical tents, longing to put on a new body for our life in heaven. That's pretty plain. 
in the belief that once we put on our new clothing, we won't find ourselves naked. So while we are living in this tent, we groan under its burden, not because we want to die, but because we want these new bodies. We crave for all that is mortal to be swallowed up by eternal life. And this is no empty hope for God himself is the one who has prepared us for this wonderful destiny. Thank you, Lord. And to confirm this promise, he has given us the Holy Spirit like an engagement ring as a guarantee. That's why we're always full of courage. Even while we're at home in the body, we're homesick to be with the master. For we live by faith, not by what we see with our eyes. We will live with a joyful confidence. Yet at the same time, we take delight in the thought of leaving our bodies behind to be at home with the Lord. Amen. So whether we live or die, we make it our life's passion to live our lives pleasing to him. I'll read that one again. So whether we live or die, we make it our life's passion to live our lives pleasing to him. For one day, we will be all be openly revealed before Christ on his throne so that each of us will be duly recompensed for our actions done in life, whether good or worthless. And that's a better translation. Instead of good or bad, it's good or worthless. So it, it's, it's kind of like bringing Mexican money to McDonald's. It's good in Mexico, but it's not good at McDonald's. It's the pesos no way to pernada. <laughs> so it, that's the... Uh, that's that's how we are now. So uh, for the first time in our life, now listen, for the first time in our life, it's going to be fair. You go, well, this isn't fair. Life's not fair. And people say, you know, I'm having a hard time. Well, now, darling, life's not fair to anybody. If you if you think you're cashing in or you're standing in the line of the fair, we get what we deserve. You, you, you're in the wrong line. There is no such line unless you get born again. And your faith then brings fair to you. There's justice when you get born again and you live above it. You don't eliminate unfair, but you live above it in a realm that's above, a realm of righteousness. But for the first time when he says, I'm going to judge you based on what you've done in your body, that's fair. Do y'all like that? <laughs> I don't like that. Well, if you don't like that, all you got to do is put it under the blood and it's done. It's not like, oh, I did it and it's forever marked in my life and it's on the video, the heavenly video, and they're going to run that thing 99 times before they get to the next person. No, get it under the blood. Confess your sins. He's faithful and just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So get it under the blood and... and, and and turn it around. But really what he's talking about here is motive. Uh, this is the first time life is fair. And that rolling of the eye when somebody rolls their eyes or has a little smirk or has a little a little attitude, you know, and it's it's dishonest. Body language is dishonest because you can deny it. I didn't say anything. Well, yeah, you said plenty. I didn't say anything. So it's dishonest to use body language to express displeasure or disapproval. Are y'all here? So, so all of that stuff that we get by with down here that's dishonest, we get by with it. They can't do anything to you if you didn't say it. I didn't say that. 
But when we get up there, the wood, hay and stubble, it's going <laughs> to it's going to shine. Amen. Uh, it says everyone, verse 10, everyone may receive the things done in his body. Everyone may receive the things done in his body. So we're going to have to control our bodies. Well, we knew that. That's not a surprise. It's like if I'd known that was in there, I'd acted nice. No, we knew it was in there. The Amplified says, so that each one may receive his pay according to that which he has done in the body, whether good or evil, considering what his purpose and motive have been. And what he has achieved, been busy with and given himself and his attention to accomplishing. Suddenly it's fair. Well, what have we been operating under? We've been operating under grace. And we don't get slapped back when, we, when we're naughty and, and mess up and stuff. It's like the wages of sin or death. Well, not in this life, not in this dispensation, not in this administration. Is that right? Of course it is. But the great white throne judgment is the, the, the judgment seat of Christ, excuse me, is going to be fair. And so what you didn't think you, nobody noticed is on heavenly video. And what it means is we'll go to that scripture. It means you won't get credit for it. The cotton patch says always watch out for the cotton patch. It says, for it is necessary for us all to be laid bare before the bar of Christ so that each may be rewarded for what he did as a church member, whether good or bad. The New International Reader. I just found that. It says, then each one of us will receive what we are supposed to get. You think Santa Claus knows when you're naughty and nice. <laughs> the Weast. And I've told you all, this is the Baptist Amplified. It says, it is necessary in the nature of the case for all of us to be openly shown as to our true character before the judgment seat of Christ in order that each one may receive a recompense with respect to the things which were practiced through the agency of our body. He said it's going to happen. There's going to be judgment on everything we did in our body. Is that scary? If it is, then we should all adjust. I mean, if it's scary, if, if, you're, if you're getting away with anything, I don't believe there, there will be no torment. Like if you did bad things or you did good things with the wrong motive, uh, a wrong approach, it just, it just falls away. It just, it's nothing. It just falls away. You don't get any reward. Well, I gave $10,000 and I, I, I helped them with this and I helped them move in and I've made their car payment and everything. But then whatever your motive was, if it wasn't love, just it becomes a smoke and a vapor and it just goes away. And if that's all your life is, is nefarious and scandalous underdoings, then you're not going to have much. Like Joe Morris always says, you know, it's... You don't you don't want the angel to have to stand back when you're he always says Ross Roberts when Ross when Ross's stuff goes through 
And you know, all the angels are like, wow, we've never seen one like that before. <laughs> He's so funny. And, and, you know, the rewards are going to be our clothing for the millennium. And he always says of Ross, he says, uh, well, he says of his own father who got saved on his deathbed. He said, and him and Ross, he said, what are you doing in that Speedo? <laughs> ah, it's funny. Hallelujah. Uh, so, so the verse 10, verse 10, it says, uh, verse 10, where am I? Verse 10. Back in verse 10. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm going. I'm getting there. <laughs> verse 10. 2 Corinthians 5.10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. The Bema. The reward seat. It's the reward seat. If you're number four, number five, and number six in the swimming relay and you didn't get a, a blue or a red or a white one, they don't gouge you and send you to the back of the line and not let you have supper or anything like that. You just don't get a reward. And people have exploited this to say, it's bad. You, it's going to be bad for you. If you're born again, now here's the key. There's two parables that talk about this, and we'll talk about them sometime. That's in the gospel where the Lord Jesus explained this. But uh, to get born again is not based on works. No works involved. By grace are you saved through faith and not of yourself. It's the gift of God. So you get born again. But like Joe Morris's father, who got born again on his deathbed, mocked his mother and him all his life, and... Uh, was just terrible, but he got born again right before he left the earth. He, he had no reward. Then you have people that are after it, got born again when they were eight years old, like I was and most of you, and, uh, and have served God all your life. And you go, but we all get the same. And the Lord gave a parable about that. Everybody that labored in the vineyard from early till the last hour got the same. So there is that picture of salvation. We're all born again. We all get to go to heaven. But then there's the parable where he said, he who turned five into five and two into two and one into nothing, he said, they're going to be rewarded based on what they did. So all your works mean nothing if you're not in heaven. If you're not born again, it doesn't matter how many works you stack up and what you gave. And on your deathbed, you will everything to the church of the of the of the of the happy day. It doesn't matter because you have to be born again to qualify for a reward. And so this is how the rewards are taken uh, out. You, if you're wondering how how do we get rewarded? Uh, Matthew six sixteen. Don't go there. Let me read it. But you'll remember it talking about our rewards and the motive behind it. The Lord Jesus said, uh, Moreover, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. So that would be wood, hay, and stubble, wouldn't it? But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thy head and wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy father which is in secret, and thy father which is in secret shall reward thee openly. 
Y'all, there's a lot of rewards in this room. It, it, it's really amazing what a people can do that come together. Turn, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, please. 1 Corinthians 3. Here, here it talks about the wood, hay, and stubble that I was referencing. Verse 5. This is a real powerful principle. And you really need to get this into your library of principles and foundations. Who then is Paul and who is Apollos? But ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. He said, who? Yeah, well, it's me and Apollos. And he said in verse six, I have planted Apollos watered. But God gave the increase. So there's no competition. There's no competition, competition. There's never there's no love in competition. Because competition is always vying for something that there's a shortage of or a timing in. If you don't get there, the early bird gets the worm. Well, I better get up and beat the early bird. It's dog eat up dog. I, I guess I better get out there and beat the dog, get in front of the dog or whatever. In the Lord, you don't have to compete for anything. You don't have to edge somebody out of a singing position or a preaching position or a whatever position uh, at work. We don't have to because there's plenty more where that came from. There's plenty for everyone. We've all been apportioned our part. And the Lord was good at that. He's the quartermaster of the ages. Hallelujah. You have what you need. So I have planted Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then said that to say this, neither is he that planteth anything. So you could say he that's an apostle or a prophet or a evangelist or a pastor or a teacher. Neither is he anything. It's just a title. It just it just marks people for our benefit. Neither is he that was, excuse me, uh, neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but that God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. So the usher that does better than the pastor The word says here, it doesn't matter. Everybody, there's no titles in the kingdom. In the vineyard, there's no titles. I'm the head grape gatherer. Well, I'm the, I'm the head grape putter in the basket guy or whatever. There's no titles. We're in the kingdom. So in another place, he talks about our body parts. Every body part is different from another body part, but all of them have the same use in the body and if every part does its part well then the whole body is edified and it all gets rewarded so if you're if you you know they say the the toenail on the little toe on the left foot or whatever whatever you th would think is the least part of our bodies it's just as important you can get there for the reward just as fast as the one that's got the brain or whatever amen the lord's fair y'all that we, we just always have to go back to, I don't have to fuss with you. I don't have to compete with you because the Lord is fair to me. 
Uh, we didn't get born again. I got born again. You got born again. He's a personal savior and he services us and takes us personally. It's not like, well, we're, I'm going to throw this lump into a, into a, a room full of, of dogs in a pen. I'm going to throw this food in there and y'all just get after it. And everybody's just snarling and carrying on trying to get their part. That's, that's what they've painted us. That there's just so much. And if you sit in the corner, you're not going to eat. There's plenty. Amen. Uh, let's go to verse 10 again. According to the grace of God, which is given thee, given unto me, excuse me, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereon. So he's telling us to pay attention how you build. Now, one key here is if you're going to be judged for how you build or how you build on the foundation, then you, you can't say nobody taught me. It's our job to find someone that will equip us for the work of the ministry. Well, in Ephesians 4, it says, I have set apostles and prophets and pastors and evangelists and teachers in the body to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Y'all know that one? Well, of course. So whose job is it? Well, I'm, I've been here all this time and nobody came by to feed me. That's not how it works. You have to find someone that will feed you, that will equip you. Well, I've been in this church 40 years and, and I just don't want to leave. Well, then your reward will be a big flame, likely, because we have to be equipped to what he said here. Take heed how he buildeth thereupon. Your reward is based on how you build thereupon the foundation. So you have to find your pastor. You have to find teachers. You have to find meetings to go to, books to read. You have to find that. You have to put it in. That's our job. But part of our job is to find the one that's got it to put it in. And if you don't, you don't get a pass. Well, Lord, I went to church every day and I tithed every time. It, it won't matter because he doesn't say that's going to be important. He said, be, uh, uh, take heed how he buildeth thereupon. So it doesn't matter if there's no stained glass. It doesn't matter if the steeple's been, never been put on. It doesn't matter if you even go to a building that ha has people like, like Lynn's going to go to. It doesn't matter it matters that you get equipped and build thereon. That's all that matters when you come to the reward. Now, if you want to just be born again and slide in under the door as it's being slammed and you make it in, as the word says in Peter, as if by fire, there's going to be a bunch of them that are smoky smelling. <laughs> They're going to be in there like, what does that smell? <laughs> and it's going to be barely. And they go, well, that's all I want is a little cabin on the hill. Well, there's no little cabin on the hill for you. There's no rewards. And when the millennium age comes, the millennium right here, it's a thousand years. So your little pumpkin life of 60, 70, 80, 90 years. I mean, that's that's generous. 90 years is a generous life. It's nothing. You're going to lead 10 or 11 of those. 
And you, okay, what are you going to be equipped with? What are you going to have to, to, to spend a thousand years with? Exactly what you did with your body when you were on the earth. Did I say that wrong? So you know, we'll go into it, but that, he said, in Luke, he said, I'll make you master over 10 cities. He's talking about the millennial reign. So you got what you do now is going to set you up for what you can do later. I'm planning on being the governor of Alabama. I don't know what y'all are going to do, but. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But, uh, well, amen. So uh, let's go on. For, verse 11, for other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, the foundation, what foundation is that? It's verse 10. Let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. Thereupon what? The foundation, the foundation of the Lord Jesus. So if he's going to build there, it says, uh, if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble. So he gives us various building materials to build on the foundation. In other words, how do you want to build your life? You can, you can step back and say, I'm going to build it strong. I'm going to invest in it. I'm going to, I'm going to put the word in. I'm going to pray. I'm going to, I'm going to get along with people. I'm going to forgive. I'm going to ask them to forgive me. I'm going to, I'm going to build my life into gold, silver, and precious stones. I'm, it takes a lot more time. It takes a whole lot more energy. I'm going to give. I'm going to give. I, I could I could build me. I could get me a road, a road car or, or, or a vacation place. But but I'm going to build with my life gold, silver and precious stones. He said that'll pay. We know it'll pay now. He said, but not if you want to do wood, hay and stubble. What kind of life is that? That's temporal stuff. There's no houses that are 1,200 or 1,800 years old that I know of. They, they're, they're, they're propping up one in Santa Fe, New Mexico uh, that was been there since the 1700s, 1600s. And they got one in St. Augustine, Florida that's been propped up, you know, and then everything. But it, it, whew, it could be gone in a moment. And that's just three or 400 years. What about our life? Every man's work, verse 13, shall be made manifest. Let's see if I have that in another version. Nope. Every man's work, his work, his work, his work. Grace got you into this situation. You got born again and you got, it, was a, it got you to heaven. But once you're there, you're there and you'll always be there. But what you did before, before you got there determines what's going to be revealed. It's all going to show. He said, for the day shall come or declare it because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work. There we see work again, don't we? Of what sort it is, what value it is. Verse 14, if any man's work, there's three. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. 
That's where y'all are supposed to shout just a little bit. <laughs> Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. <laughs> y'all look nervous out there. What have y'all been doing on the weekends? <laughs> Verse 15, if any man's work, number four, if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Well, there it is. It's plain. I think it's plain. I, I don't see any controversy in that. You get in by the blood of Jesus, you make him Lord, you make him the Lord of your life, and boom, he tickets you into heaven, puts you in a mansion, whatever that means. The word mansion is not always translated an edifice of many rooms. That, that word has got some other meanings that didn't make the King James. But anyway, whatever, whatever, I don't know and I don't care. But uh, we're in, but it doesn't end when we go to heaven. And that's what most religion thinks. It ends, whew, we, we're, we're going to heaven. Whew, I'm glad this life of, of uh, trouble and hard work and frustration and anxiety is over. I'm so glad to quit fooling with the devil and quit, you know, messing around. So they're in heaven. And it's not even a great day for them. So heaven or this reward system is not based on what, listen, what we do. It's based on what I do. Now, we're, we're, in, we're in football country. And we all made the touchdown last Saturday. Were you there? Well, of course. Didn't you see me streaking across the end zone? You just blowing up candles and and yeah, we were all making the touchdown. Now that Rudy Toot that fumbled it, that was him. <laughs> I didn't fumble it. I wouldn't have fumbled it. But we all made the touchdown. We all made the extra key, the extra point. You understand? But in heaven, it's not us. It's me. So sometimes you get a herd thing on you that says, uh, uh, we did it. And Debbie always used to say when people would say that, she said, yeah, we shot the bear. You know, we, there's no we in this. It's what you do in your life. And you can't blame anybody. Y'all say amen. You can't blame anybody. Well, I was raised rough. Well, yeah, let, let's, let's put your story back at number 17 out of 18 and get the ones that were really raised rough in front of you. And, and we didn't have any money and, and my mama died and my daddy, you know, there's just a story after story that, that walking uphill five miles both ways in the snow thing. It's, it's, uh... So my responsibility, your responsibility is to get equipped and go to work. Four times it says work. Go to work. Spectators are not rewarded. Yeah, praise God. We are. So we're going to find our calling. We're going to find our calling. It changes. It's not like it's, you know, you only do one thing. We have a marvelous children's ministry here. But right now it's temporarily, very temporarily on hold, but 
it's a marvelous ministry. And, and who, who does that? That's their calling. But we're not, we don't have them on the sidelines saying, they're not saying, coach, send me in. They're off doing something else, for instance. And so we're all finding our calling. The first resurrection, the first resurrection saints were at the door. We're at the door. Now, say what you want. Come to your own personal belief. Do you need more time to fix things? It just takes about 30 minutes and a, and a communion cup and a cracker to fix just about everything. You, you don't need long wailing times of suffering and sorrow and I'm sorry. We just, we just man up or woman up, what, whatever. And we go in there with the blood and we do business. We do business with our faith based on the elements that he has ordained, which is the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from all unrighteousness, forgives us of our sins and cleanses us. Don't be walking around condemned or judged. Get clean. Either own it because you did it and go repent of it. Or if you didn't do it. Drop it. Get it out of your life. It's not it's not yours. Wrong house. We're pleasing the master. That's what we want to do. All of us are in the same boat, pulling the same way with the same oar. We just want to please the master. He's the master. He's the head of the church. He tells us how the church should go. He, he tells us, I want this and I want that. Well, they don't do that over there at Second Church, Lord. Well, this is how I want you to do it. So we endeavor. We endeavor to follow him. That's how your house is. We all came out of the same belief. We're all, we're all loving the same word. We're singing the same songs. But you may cook oatmeal different than me. I'm sure you do, actually. <laughs> I am sure you do. No one cooks it like I do. <laughs> yes, <laughs> sweet, sweet Lord. But my point is, is we all have to follow him, but we all have to follow him. And we're doing it. But we're always tweaking. I'm tweaking up. I'm always tweaking up. You've never arrived. You've never got there and said, that's enough of that. Amen. Amen.